This ticker podcast is brought to you by Broadridge Financial Solutions. Hi, everyone. Virtual shareholder meetings have been around for at least a decade. That's roughly as long as podcasts, by the way. Early pioneers began with hybrid meetings, tacking on an online streamed audio or video component to their physical meetings. But these days, more and more issuers are ditching the in-person gathering entirely. The trend is that most companies are doing virtual only, and even in terms of new companies that are first coming on the platform, they're going right to virtual only. So how come? On today's Ticker Podcast, we go behind the scenes for a look at the surprising joy of virtual-only AGMs. But first, here's your Ticker News Update. More and more women are taking seats in America's boardrooms. Women now make up a quarter of Fortune 100 company boards. But a new Morningstar study shows the picture gets less encouraging as one descends into the smaller market caps. The research firm says small-cap board diversity has just hit the level reached by the S&P 500 10 years ago. Despite their rocky performance last year, hedge funds are still attracting plenty of investor interest. An industry association report forecasts assets under management will increase over the coming year, with nervous equity investors positioning for downside protection. According to this year's Prequin Global Hedge Funds report, investors may pull money from funds with long exposure to equities in favor of strategies less correlated to market beta. And in everyone was wrong news, analyst coverage of UK small cap and AIM listed corporations actually increased in the first year after MIFID II regulations came into effect. Still, according to research from Hardeman & Company, coverage of the largest stocks continues to dominate research output, and most companies struggle to have their story told. And finally, the most popular date to release earnings information in Q2 2019 is projected to be... Thursday, May 9th. That's when almost 750 companies are signaling to release, according to data provider Wall Street Horizon. On the other hand, only one announcement is predicted for May 27th. Wall Street Horizon CEO Barry Starr says more and more IROs are using strategic scheduling to get a leg up on competitors and the market. And he says more traders are using corporate event data for exactly the same reasons. He calls it corporate body language. The whole corporate body language concept is being able to be able to predict what's going to happen with a company by watching their nonverbal communication of watching how they manipulate their corporate events. It's like a tell because when a company moves when they, when they move their annual meeting from their home office to the other side of the country, there's a reason why they're doing it. Star adds that moving the date of an earnings release is another common signal. You're listening to the Ticker Podcast from IR Magazine, the sound of global investor relations. 
still small but growing contingent of public companies are electing to hold annual shareholder meetings by virtual means only. Last year, about 300 firms went full virtual. One of them was St. Paul-based medical device company Cardiovascular Systems Incorporated. To find out why, I spoke with its head of IR, Jack Nielsen. Joining us on the call is Kathy Conlon of Broadridge Financial Solutions. Broadridge processes electronic voting and facilitates virtual meetings. Here we go. Kathy, let's uh, just start with you. In terms of adoption trends, uh, I find it curious that uh, most companies are diving right in to virtual-only meetings. Um, what's with that? So, yeah, I mean, I'd say this, the story is strongly in the direction of virtual-only versus hybrid. When we started out you know, several years ago, and when this technology was really new, company early adopters you know, definitely had some more questions and concerns about moving forward. And so at the time, we saw more of a balance between virtual only and hybrid. And hybrid was seen as a way to, you know, test the waters of the technology uh, before going to um, virtual only. But really what's happened over the last couple of years in particular, the, the trend is that most companies are doing virtual only, that the sheer numbers are virtual only is the way companies are going. And even in terms of new companies that are first coming on the platform, they're going right to virtual only. So there's not this sort of interim step doing a hybrid meeting to test the waters. And I think it's a function to some extent of companies who are seeing their peer companies uh, adopting virtual meetings and seeing and being comfortable with technology. Um, and as you know, the fact that just more and more companies are doing it. So it, I think it's become a more mainstream alternative uh, to um, to a physical meeting. So I think those things are helping um, push companies in the direction of virtual only. But there has been a little uh, pushback on that from various quarters. And we'll get to that, uh, how to handle that. Kathy, you were co-author of a white paper on best practices on how to initiate and conduct these sorts of meetings. That's right, yes. It was a working group chaired by uh, institutional investors. Actually, it was an institutional investor and the head of the Society of Corporate Governance, so trying to get, you know, the balance, the concerns of companies with the institutional investors who are their largest shareholders. Hmm. What would be the key takeaway from that? I, I think the, you know, there's a whole bunch of, there's a, you know, bunch of uh, things that the the group came up with, there's 12 practices that they suggest companies adopt, and we're happy to send you that information. I think the key takeaway from the best practices is that the goal of, the t- of using the technology should be able to, should be to enable shareholder participation and engagement in the annual meeting. Uh, and the goal of going to a virtual meeting should enable that and does enable that for companies. Mm-hmm. And so whatever the company is doing with regard to how they're conducting their virtual meeting, it should be with that end in mind. So how, you know, thinking thinking ahead of time how you're taking questions, um, how you're uh, respond, you know, which questions you're going to respond to, how you are ensuring that shareholders have access to the platform and things like that. So the goal is really to make sure that, it's as equivalent an experience as it can be and that shareholders can be engaged in the annual meeting, uh, whether they conduct a virtual meeting, honestly, or whether they conduct a physical meeting. Mm -hmm. Okay, Jack Nielsen, I don't think when you began you 
you had access to that report. Um, so can you, can you tell us a bit about why you went virtual and your experience and how you approached the process? We've, um, we began considering a virtual meeting uh, about three years ago. And, huh. you know, at that time, our company was in the midst of a massive turnaround, management changes, headcount reductions, change in strategy. So we really viewed moving to a virtual-only meeting as just an opportunity for us to save on resources. We host our annual meeting at our company headquarters, but even with that, you know, there's time required for setting up and taking down the meeting room, staffing people to sign people in and out, you know, product demos, facility tours. You know, we would often have, you know, a lot of employees that would be kind of on call to kind of fill the room if if we didn't have great (laughs) attendance. Uh, and then you have, you know, all the executives and all the board members, you know, tied up for, for an hour or so. So we never really considered a hybrid. Uh, we, we were looking to move directly to, to the virtual-only meeting just because of the opportunity to, to save on, you know, all that time and human resources necessary. Was there any pushback from your, your shareholder base on that, or did you have to? Yeah, not, not very much. And part of it has to do with our, our shareholder base has yeah. become much more heavily institutionally held uh, the last several years. In fact, uh, we are at about 75% institutionally held mm-hmm. uh, several years ago, and we're at about 95% now. Um, so that 5% includes insiders and, and retail shareholders. So we, we never really had a, a strong retail uh, attendance at our meetings, and we never had any institutional uh, attendees. And so the people in the room were often, you know, our outside counsel, uh, auditors, uh, maybe some uh, other consultants that that work with the company, but we really just didn't have uh, a strong enough turnout. So, again, we were kind of looking at it, all these resources and, and time that took to put on a meeting for a really a very select few number of investors. So we we viewed it as we can open up this to a broader range of investors if we put this online and, and make it virtual only. And, you know, again, we've, we've done it the last two years, and we've, we've started to see a little bit of an increase in terms of, uh, of total attendance by doing that. And I would echo that uh, that Jack's comment there. We hear from a lot of companies that what's happened is they spend a lot of resources, time, and money to put on a physical annual meeting that few shareholders attend. Uh, institutions generally don't attend annual meetings at most companies, and uh, retail holders, you know, if they're not if they don't live in the vicinity, they're unlikely to attend. So there's not a lot of access for the retail investor. And as I said, institutions aren't. So from a company's perspective, you know, they're putting a lot of effort into the meeting, mm-hmm. and it's their senior executives, their board that are involved in this. So um, going virtual um, does open up access and really does provide a mechanism to make the meeting more relevant than the physical meeting for most companies have been. Of course, there are the exceptions to that, you know, with the very large high-profile companies like Berkshire Hathaway, but for the most part companies have the experience of a lot of work for very little return. Not much bang for your buck. Jack, again, uh, just to get back to the pushback thing, did you get a good vibe from the experience? Uh, Investors were okay with the technology. Um, They felt like they were being listened to and and, and management felt, you know, things were going smoothly. Yeah, I would say, you know, the last... 
Um, I mean, when we move to a virtual annual meeting, we conduct pretty much just the business portion uh, of the annual meeting. They, you know, I, I know there are options for, you know, adding slides and providing additional commentary. At this point, we've chosen not to do that. Okay. Our meetings are about 10 minutes long. We actually have board meetings the day of our annual meeting, and we schedule a 15-minute break to conduct the meeting. So during that time, the chairman, the secretary, the inspector of elections, and I are uh, we're in a small conference room, and the board of directors and auditors are next door, dialed into the webcast. It's it's really straightforward, you know. And it uh, you know from our standpoint, there's there's not much stress, you know, in terms of of hosting that type of an event. Um, we haven't had the opportunity to answer a question from an investor yet. We were kind of hoping we would have one this year just to to demonstrate that that we're absolutely willing to do that. But um, uh, so far, so far, we haven't had that experience. But um, it, all um, registered stockholders are uh, have the ability to to ask questions. And you know, I've the few that I've spoken to on the phone afterwards that have you know discussed you know maybe their slight frustration with with us moving to this format. You know, I've encouraged them to to ask you know as tough a questions as they want. You know, during that format or follow up with me afterwards and. To date, we haven't had anyone that's taken me up on that. I, I wonder if, but has anybody ever called you up and said, this is great, you're saving shareholders lots of money, and, and <laughs> thank you. Let's move forward. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Okay. But, um, <laughs> but I, I think when I'm able to, to talk people through that and just kind of give them our view on the amount of time and uh, that, it, that it takes to host this type of a meeting, they understand that. You know, we are going through a pretty substantial turnaround, and we're still uh, in the process of, you know, accelerating our revenue growth and and moving forward. And so, for the most part, they understand. And um, I haven't had anyone that was visibly upset. You know, they were just more questioning why why did we move to that format. But you know, I think they're because seeing more and more companies, you know, even locally here in the Twin Cities, move to this format. They've seen the last several years. They've seen companies really streamline their annual meetings. You know, they're not the old days where you'd have big product fairs and serving meals and hosting open houses. Yeah. Um, those are the exception. That's not the rule anymore. Most of the meetings are really pretty straightforward, and there might be a, a small or short strategy overview and discussion, you know, at the meeting, but even those are kind of moving away as well. So I, for the most part, uh, I haven't had much pushback from, from the retail shareholders that, that used to attend. And in, and in your case, I guess there was nothing, uh, shareholders were generally satisfied, I guess there are no particular proposals or, uh, you know, proxy issues. And again, you know, because we're so heavily institutionally held, uh, and we haven't had any substantial proxy uh, matters that have okay. come up the last couple of years, so there hasn't been any impact on our on our uh, voting. It, it, the the attendance at our meeting, um, the retail shareholders that that used to come, I know all of them by first name, <laughs> and they have my phone number. I and if they that. have concerns, they know they can reach me at any time. And um, I the first year that we had a virtual meeting. There was a small handful of of investors that wanted to have some face to face time to ask questions, and so I, I hosted a group of I don't know five or six investors came in, and you know they they asked all their questions maybe a week or two after the annual meeting, and 
they had every all their information uh, was taken care of, and um, we moved forward. So it, we haven't had uh, any substantial pushback on my moving to this format. And it was an audio meeting, right? It was an audio format? It, just audio only. Yeah. That's correct. I've, ever think of a video? That'd I don't be... think so. And honestly, because we're, we're just going over the business portion uh, of the annual meeting, Too much there hassle. really isn't, yeah. there's not a lot of, um, there's not a lot of need at, the, at this point. Huh. You know, and I think, you know, I, <clears throat> I began my career on the sell side over 20 years ago. And when I did that, you know, the annual stockholder meeting served kind of a dual purpose. Yeah. You know, there was kind of the formal portion of the meeting and then the informal discussion of business strategy. And that might have been the only time of the year that a retail stockholder could hear about the company strategy directly from management. But now with the Internet, there's so much access to quarterly conference calls and transcripts and company presentations, SEC filings, press releases, analyst reports, all of that information is substantially more timely and comprehensive than, you know, going to an annual meeting, you know, 20 years ago or, or right. even today and, you know, getting a 30-minute or 15-minute update on, on what the company is doing. So I think, in general, the investors that, that want to be truly engaged with what's going on with the company, typically today they're going to have substantially more information than they did before. In the process here, was it how, how did it sort of come about? Uh, did it come from the board to you and say, figure it out, or, or were you pitching this sort of virtual idea up, so I, to speak? I, you know, the, the, uh, I report to the chairman CEO, and we began talking about it when, uh, again, about three years ago, and it was shortly after uh, our chairman CEO had, had stepped into the CEO role, and uh, we were just looking again at, at opportunities to try to become more efficient, and and we felt that this was one that that could help us accomplish that. And you know, we we talked to the board uh, about it, introduced the idea. Ultimately, we decided that um, given how the magnitude of the turnaround that we were uh, undergoing at the time, we decided that wasn't the best time to initiate a virtual meeting. So we actually held off a year. We waited until 2017. Uh, to, to host our first meeting, and I think it was the right decision. You know, I, we our business had stabilized substantially. People understood uh, the direction that we were going. Our stock had had improved uh, quite a bit as well, and so there it wasn't. We didn't want to have the perception that we were hiding from investors, and by giving ourselves uh, some time to to demonstrate that um, the company was on the right path, uh, I think we accomplished that. Mm-hmm. Um, and another concern would be the just sort of the technical aspect of the whole deal. Was that sort of? Can you cast yourself back? Did that work okay? Or was there anything else you'd you'd change or or maybe add to? Or we've again we've we've kept our meeting pretty bare bones both times. One of the things that the board did express interest in is having a, a technical expert on site mm. uh, during the meeting. The meeting itself is actually very simple. You know, essentially logging into a webcast and, and dialing into a conference call. So it's very much like our quarterly um, earnings conference call meetings. Uh, however, they because of because it is the the annual meeting. You know, they the board took comfort in the fact that you know our provider Broadridge, the inspector of elections, also can double as uh, your on-site tech expert, and so. Uh, we've done that the last couple of years, and um, we haven't had any technical issues. 
Yeah, it's basically a quarterly earnings call uh, in many ways. Yeah, that's all it is. Yeah, it's it's very it's very easy. Okay. You know, you know the only I, I I would just add, you know, the between our the first year that we did it and the second year that we did it, we made one we made a couple of changes. One, at the first time uh, we hosted the meeting, we had all of the executives in the room. We had all of the board members in the room. The sound quality wasn't as strong as it could have been. You know, we were in a larger conference room. Oh, that's um, so using important. Polycom, and it just it picked up a lot of background noise. Mm-hmm. And so for the second year, like I mentioned, you know, we went into a very small conference room. We had a Polycom, and there was just four of us in the room. And so the, the sound quality was substantially better. Uh, another thing that we did actually the first year um, was that we, we did set aside a, a conference room in our corporate headquarters and had the webcast uh, or the, the annual meeting uh, dialed in so that if we had any stockholders that showed up unannounced, that we would be able to provide them with access to the annual meeting. Even though we weren't hosting a, a live meeting that day, uh, we didn't want to turn anyone away. And we actually had four folks show up, just huh. assuming that we were going to have a live meeting anyway. And uh, it, was, it, it was viewed as a very nice gesture. Um, they appreciated not being turned away, and they appreciated having access that's so at least cool. listening in to, to the meeting. And, you know, that's something that we've continued to repeat. We didn't have anybody show up this year, but, you know, we'll continue to do that just in case there's any confusion or anyone shows up unannounced. That's a good tip. And I, I would just say this about uh, just, you know, with companies when they're hearing or thinking about virtual meetings, because, you know, there's still, as we started off earlier in this podcast talking about, you know, there's still some, you know, if the word is controversy, mm-hmm. uh about virtual meetings, they still exist. But when you talk to the companies that are doing it, there are some very valid reasons why a company can consider this as an option um, for their annual meeting. And when there's just a very narrowly sort of defined, you know, virtual meetings, you know, are bad. By And honestly, it's really a small audience that, that doesn't like virtual meetings, but it's a pretty vocal audience. And I do think there's some balanced view that we're hearing here. Um, and when you talk to companies that have done a virtual meeting and comparing them to, you know, the time and effort to their physical meeting, there's a valid reason why a virtual meeting is good for a company. And we all can agree that in a contentious situation or proxy campaign, you know, a tight proxy campaign, perhaps then it's the time to either do a physical meeting or a virtual, uh, excuse me, or a um, hybrid meeting. Uh, but for most companies, in most cases, virtual is a really great alternative for them. And I do think that message sometimes gets lost in some of the noise. And another point I wanted to make was just about, you know, we've talked a couple of times about your earnings calls. I think most people believe earnings calls are a pretty effective means of communication, and your annual meeting is truly just an extension of your earnings calls, and it's a very similar experience for shareholders and investors. And so, um, you know, the more companies can sort of know and understand that the technology is pretty straightforward and acts very similar to that, and it's really easy for shareholders to attend, um, it sort of opens the door to, for more companies to consider this as an option. And that's your Ticker Podcast for this week. Tell us what you think. This memo is welcome. Send your incisive commentary to editorial at irmagazine.com. Thanks to Broadridge's Kathy Conlon and Cardiovascular Systems' Jack Nielsen for joining us today. It looks like the future of shareholder meetings is virtually here. And hey, one more thing. 
If you're in the mood for the tangible, I hope you'll join us for the glamorous IR Magazine Awards US. That's coming up March 20th at Swank Cipriani in New York. You can sign up for the complete touchy-feely experience at irmagazine.com. Thanks for listening. In Montreal, I'm Jeff Cassette.